Sunday morning edition of the Crash the Pond podcast. We're back with our weekly show. This time we've got a very special guest, Byron Bader, whose work we've been quoting nonstop the last few weeks, talking about prospects, ranking the Ducks farm system. So at this point, we just got to get him on, uh, pick his brain a little bit here. If you don't know, Byron is the creator of HockeyProspecting.com. He's consulted for NHL teams. He's He actually does data science for a living. So it's not just, you know, hockey analytics. It's it's much more than that. Uh, he's been featured on The Athletic, TSN, TVA Sports, worked at Flames Nation. So this guy's really smart. And I think we're going to learn a lot today. Uh, Byron, thanks so much for joining us. Let's just jump right into the first question here. Um, so what got you into this? What got you into this world uh, blending hockey prospects, hockey analytics, and also just... Uh, statistical modeling because that's that's quite the combination there yeah so i mean early on even when i was a little little boy i always liked just random stats and and you know kind of keeping different databases and stuff in my head especially stuff pertaining to sports and hockey and all that type stuff so that was just a sort of natural fit and then like you said that's that's what i do in my day job you know that's what i did in in university the the kind of statistical modeling modeling side so that part um is all kind of natural and then from the prospect side yeah when I was working at Flames Nation kind of working on different projects um, I just kind of noticed that there was kind of a a spot missing with um, you know looking at prospects in in this way and kind of tracking their um, their scoring output and sort of standardizing that and and looking at what's what's happening and it actually all kind of started with with uh, Johnny Gaudreau just watching his sort of you know rocket like ascent um, from his draft year to the point of him making the NHL. And I was kind of wondering, you know, um, is that what a superstar kind of looks like? Is that what a guy who's going to make the NHL kind of looks like? So I started looking into him and looking for, you know, comparables that look like him. And there was basically very few. So then you start to see, oh, okay, like it's, it's basically superstars and like Hall of Famers that kind of, you know, look like this. And then, you start to expand it out and kind of build a framework and, and it just got bigger and bigger. And yeah, so it started probably four years ago, kind of the idea. And then, and then it's kind of built into this this thing that we have now. So. Awesome. Um, So Byron uh, now, actually I'm going to show on the screen just for everyone there uh, your website and specifically the 2019 uh, draft tool. And so, for anyone out there, we've mentioned hockey prospecting a bunch. Go check it out. Go subscribe to it. It's a really great tool, really great website. So kind of on this, when you go through it, uh, each draft, you can see the star probability both at the draft year and at the current year. And you can also do a player comparison tool. So kind of as a brief overview for our listeners, could you briefly explain kind of how your system works, how this projection kind of comes up with these values, what it values what you're trying to achieve with it and kind of also how successful it's been. Because when you have a model, you're able to over the years, see how successful it is by testing it out. Yeah, for sure. So essentially what it does is it, it standardizes player scoring across the board. Um, and so with that, you can, you know, kind of use these development patterns of how the player is kind of moving through this essentially standardized score. Um, And then what comes out of that is, you know, essentially the model goes back 30 years and and you have these distinct patterns that have existed for decades. I mean, the game has Mm -hmm. kind of changed around it, but these patterns still emerge. So people that 
um, players that kind of move through these thresholds and hit these certain marks that I'm looking for, they tend to turn into NHLers. They tend to turn into stars. Um, and yeah, by doing this, you can kind of remove all these biases that come in every year, you know, age and position and nationality mm-hmm. and size, all this stuff kind of comes out of it. And you're looking at players all on the same level of playing field. I mean, the simplest way to put it is, you know, if you're looking at a player and you're like, oh, this guy in the OHL got 100 points this year in his draft year, is that good? Or this guy, you know, who's 25, who's never really done anything before, just scored, you know, 50 points in the Russian league. Like, what does that mean? This basically tells you that's good or not type thing, like based on essentially 30 years of history. Um, and then, yeah, how you can tell it, it works. I mean, from the, the, you know, really technical modeling side, just looking at, you know, the probabilities, if, if the probability mm-hmm. says, yeah, this guy has, um, you know, an 80% chance of making the NHL, when you group those players and you look at, say, everybody that, you know, kind of has an 80% chance of making the NHL, that's what it kind of comes up with. Whereas if this guy has, you know, a 25% chance, yeah, there's guys that make it, but most of them don't, Yeah, you know, 75% of them won't. So that's kind of what it does. And it, you're, you're able to go back basically and look through 30 years of history and 6,000 players and kind of see that these, these, these patterns and these trends are very consistent and they happen every year. And that's kind of what the model is picking up on. And that's how it kind of determines it's, it's success and that's um yeah how it's picking up on these kind of future stars and future superstars and even just future guys that are going to make the jump to the nhl so out of curiosity then kind of following up on that and on that point so within the model you say or there's a nhl probability and a star probability what necessarily defines a star per the model as in is that a first line uh center first line winger first pairing defenseman is it top 10 in the league because i i think that's just one thing as i'm looking at i'm like oh i i see star probability what does that define specifically i think would be a good thing for everyone to know yeah so absolutely so star probability is essentially just their point production over their career in the nhl so a mm-hmm. star for a forward where it would essentially be a guy who scores 60 points or more per mm-hmm. year kind of over his career and then from the defense side, it would be a defenseman who registers, you know, 40 or more points over the course of their career per season. Um, so that's kind of the, the definition of the star side. So it's basically looking for, you know, those really high offensive generators. Yeah. And then from the NHL side, it's basically looking for a player that's going to make 200 games in the NHL. Yeah. And, and then there's kind of different levels Within that, there's there's guys that come in. I call them replacement producers. So they, you know, basically a fourth line guy that generates very little. Um, and then you kind of have an average producer, which is like a, you know, forty to sixty point kind of forward type thing, like a, a twenty five to to forty point defenseman. And then you have the star, kind of yeah, golden so, rail on top of that. So I think for Ducks fans out there, a good definition of what a star would be, obviously, Ryan Getzloff. Corey Perry might be in that mix also. Corey Perry's definitely in there, yeah. Yeah, and, and so and so I think that that is a, a good definition, I think, for people out there from what you're saying. If they're looking at the star probability and trying to see, okay, where are different people that Ducks are Ducks have drafted, they might be drafting, this is what that star probability means, is that type of player. Exactly, yeah. And Shea, Shea Theodore is another good example. Oh. Of a defenseman star, yeah. Sorry, but it's all good. It's all good. So that, that's that's kind of just just to understand it. Like he's he kind of hits that mold as well. But then obviously okay. guys like 
you know, Hedman and Dowdy and stuff, they're stars as well. They, yes. they, they have those huge point contributions from defense, but yeah, that's, that's a perfect way to understand it. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, so obviously you're, every guy has his own probability. And so do you ever find yourself maybe disagreeing with that probability or, you know, for you, is it less important to go over each and every player? Do you, do you develop maybe your own personal opinions on that specific player, maybe based on times you've watched him or, you know, how, how much do you kind uh, yeah, of look I mean, at that? Yeah, there's always kind of um, a disagreement, especially with, with you know, kind of the consensus and stuff. This is very, very different um, from a lot of the kind of traditional scouting stuff that's out there because it picks up on, you know, certain age drop-offs. And if you're not at a certain level, you know, you're going to get dinged pretty heavily in the model. Whereas if you are at a certain level, and especially you're very young, you're going to kind of shoot up the model. So it, it is a bit of a different, um, yeah, just a different process from the kind of traditional scouting that's existed for, you know, a hundred years. But I find that, you know, the, the difference between my model and the eye test mostly comes up if, if there's a guy that I, you know, in the model, he's, you know, he looks like a top 10 pick, like he has really high probabilities, but nobody's really talking about him. That's something like us or he's kind of being talked about as like a third or fourth rounder. That's something where sometimes I think something's going, something funny is, is maybe happening with that player. Like maybe he's just atrocious defensively. So then, yeah, maybe he'll make it, but he'll be a complete liability. So, you know, you go back, watch a couple clips, or maybe he's a terrible skater, that type of thing. So, you know, I'll still rank them high, but maybe, you know, um, I'll rank them a little bit lower than the model is showing specifically because, you know, the consensus is this, this guy's not going in the, the second or third or in the first round, you know, he's going in the fourth round type thing. So those are, those are ones that come up. And then in terms of, you know, the other side, if you're looking at, you know, a draft happening and there's a guy who's, who's ranked in the first round, but he's kind of like a 15th overall pick, or maybe he's like a 10th pick. And in the model, he looks like he should be like a top three guy. You know, a good example is like Quinn Hughes, like watching that in 2018 on in the model and, and just um, what I kind of knew about that player and how rare it was that a player looks like that, you know, especially a defenseman. He would have he would have been a guy that I certainly would have gone in the top five, maybe even third overall. And, you know, to see him drop to whatever it was their seventh, like that was kind of one of those ones where, you know, the the model and just based on the knowledge that I have, it's, it's sort of pointing to him as yeah, like you, you got to be all over this guy in the top five and then he kind of slips out of it. So there's, there's little differences that way. Um, yeah. Okay. Well, so I'm not asking you to necessarily brag here, but have there been guys in the past who your model has maybe been higher on that the general consensus or scouting community hasn't been that have actually panned out the way your model had, had rated them? Yeah, there's, 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 there's players like all over the draft. I mean, um, the site is only established in January of this year, but like I said, I've kind of been looking at it and kind of developing the process for about four or five years. So if you go back even to 2015, you know, a guy like Barzell would have been a guy I would have targeted in the top five. I mean, he goes 16th. It's not like he's falling to the seventh round or anything, but mm -hmm. he's a guy that he should have certainly been up in top five just based on his production and based on his age and and yeah how kind of rare his development curve is um in that same year islanders also got him um anthony beauvillier also looked pretty good and now he's kind of starting to you know he makes the nhl basically 
um, the, the second year after he's drafted. And now he's really starting to show his colors. So those are two that kind of worked out from 2015. 2016 was just a massive draft. Um, you know, even if you look at like a guy like Kachuk, he was kind of always ranked, you know, kind of that six to eight sort of hole. And I was looking at him because again, what he looked like and his sort of development path, like he looked like guys like Steven Stamkos and Taylor Hall, but he wasn't really talked about as, you know, a top three pick. He was talked about as a top 10 pick, but not in that realm. So he was a guy I was kind of talking about over and over again, this guy could be really good. And then luckily Calgary got him. So that's great. <laughs> um, and then in that same year, you know, Debrinkat was another guy. He actually looked exactly like Kachuk, like it literally the exact same developmental pattern. And, you know, there was a, a, a lot of kind of flags about him. You know, obviously he's short. He's not the quickest skater for a really small guy. Um, you know, in his pre-draft year, he played with McDavid. So did that kind of boost him up? And so he drops into the second round and obviously he's worked out. He's already, you know, a 40 goal scorer. Um, again, in 2016, Sam Gerrard was another guy that, you know, had top 15 pick all over, all over him. He drops into the second round. Um, uh, he's worked out pretty good. And then, yeah, as you kind of get to, you know, the, the past years, you can't really tell yet because the guys are just starting to make the NHL. But like I mentioned, Quinn Hughes, he would have been a guy that I would have targeted top three. Um, and he's, you know, obviously excellent as soon as he kind of entered the league. Um, Evan Bouchard is another one coming through the Oilers system that looks great. I think he's going to be a big player in two or three years. He was, you know, I think he was kind of drafted in the, the late teens somewhere. Um, and then if you look at 2019, uh, Arthur Kaliev was was another one that showed really highly in the model and was one that I was kind of looking at, especially with, um, you know, his, his, his developmental path in the hockey prospecting model is rare enough, but just going through kind of random stats because I have this whole sort of database on my end. And I was looking through stats of um, guys who hit the, the 50 goal plateau in the CHL before turning 18. And there's like six of them. Like it's basically like Sidney Crosby, Tavares, um, uh, I think Patrick Marlowe is one of them. So there's very few of these guys and they always go essentially in like the top, top five. And this guy you know, he's a bit, he's a bit odd. He's, he's a different type of player, but he's dropping all the way in the second round. Like, so that was another one. And now he's come back with his kind of post draft year and he looks like he's going to be really good. He's going to be a very different player. He's going to probably frustrate a lot of coaches, but I think he, <laughs> he's going to be yeah. really, really good. So, yeah. That so one. those are some of the hits over the past kind of four or five years. Yeah. Okay. That, that Cali of pick could be a bit painful for the Ducks because they had a chance to take him uh, with their late first round pick uh, last season and decided yeah. to take Braden Tracy instead. But uh, so as a bit of a follow up to that, uh, Cali of, I think, is a, a good example of this. What do you see kind of, I, I think, trying to mix the numbers and also just watching a little bit of tape and things like that? What do you see as the biggest reason why guys take the step from, for instance, Cali was raked, ra uh, rated at 25% star probability and then made a pretty big jump this past year to 66%. Is it a situation where maybe it's teammate? And that was also kind of another thing that I was thinking about was how much does this factor in kind of teammate contribution and who you're playing with? How much does that factor into guys maybe dropping off even? Yeah, no, yeah. Like it doesn't factor into the the raw model itself just because I've been yes. going about 30 years. There's lots of things that I'd like to bring into it. You know, time on ice would be a huge one, but getting that as a reliable stat going back 30 years is really hard. So yeah, yeah teammates doesn't factor in, but it's more, 
you know, that's, that's, that's where, you know, the probabilities you might miss on something because yep. the guy being boosted up by his teammates, or maybe you, you miss on a guy the other way because you have him ranked too low because he's on a terrible team and he just mm-hmm. can't get up to that level because he just can't generate enough. So there's always stuff like that that's going to come up. But in terms of Kaliev, um, yeah, like he, he just, he just developed um, kind of perfectly. Like he's moving through these, these thresholds, I call them, just mm-hmm. exactly how you want to see him. And he's also a younger guy. So that's going to kind of boost him up. So he basically goes from, you know, an equivalency in the low thirties to something in the forties and just, you know, he just continues to, to develop very rapidly. And when you see that, those are the guys that, you know, they tend to come into the league in a year or two and, and basically become stars, you know, two or three years into the NHL. So yeah, he just kind of, he's just hitting that perfect sort of developmental path and, and yeah, I think he looks really good. Um, so now that kind of we cover kind of your model and everything like that and a lot of things like that, let's transition to the Ducks a little bit here. So they have the sixth overall pick this uh, upcoming draft and kind of looking at their prospect pool and kind of looking at also this upcoming draft and what there is, kind of what type of player slash position do you think that they probably should be targeting with that pick, all things considered? Um. Yeah, so like I think just based on the draft and based on their system, they should probably be targeting like a really high octane forward at this point. I mean, the draft is really deep in terms of these high value forward picks, but from the defensive side, it's not. So, I mean, that kind of, especially this year, that kind of takes out defense for me. Um, but, you know, the, the Ducks have have had some success drafting defensemen. They still have, you know, a decent grouping of defensemen, I guess. But what they really need is is that really high octane, you know, really high likely kind of star forward because um, that, that's lacking from the system for sure. Right. So you, you touched on their, their overall system a little bit. And so just what's kind of your overall view of the Ducks Farm system? You know, I, it's a group that has been talked about a lot you know, the past few years as the Ducks have transitioned away from being a Stanley Cup contender or at least a, a playoff contender and more into whatever Bob Murray has been labeling it these days, a retool, reset. Um, I've lost track. But anyway, Who knows? Um, <laughs> you know, a few years ago, you kept hearing about you have guys like Sam Steele, Troy Terry. These guys are going to come in and and really provide that next jump. And it, and it hasn't quite happened that way. So just what's your view of that, of that system? And, you know, are there some guys maybe within the system who the hockey world is a little too high on or, or maybe not high enough? Yeah, so the Ducks in my kind of ranking system of, of team prospect pools, they're, they have the 19th ranked system. So essentially they have, you know, a decent amount of potential NHLers, you know, guys that you kind of mentioned, Troy Terry and Sam Steele, uh, Comtois, um, you know, obviously Zegras and Tracy and, and Henry Thrun also have some, some good possibility as well. But what they don't have are, you know, those star pieces coming. So when I'm ranking the system, I'm kind of looking at two things, like how many potential NHLers do you have? How many guys that look like they're going to, you know, at least get into the NHL? But then on the other side, how many, you know, bona fide blue chip, like star looking prospects do you have? And that's where they don't really have any. Uh, or many, I guess I should say. I mean, um, Zegris is kind of the, the the highest up the totem pole, and I think his star probability is you know, 35% or something like that. So they don't have, you know, those guys that look like as soon as they make the league, they're going to 
immediately turn into a star. You know, if you look at something like the the LA Kings system, you know, they've kind of been out of the playoffs, kind of a same thing, like last three or four years they've been out and, you know, they've, they've brought in some, some analytics people and they've been building something. And what they're doing is they're picking up on a lot of this stuff and they are building a prospect system that looks like it's just going to be amazing in a few years. And they have a lot of NHL pieces, but they have a lot of pieces that look like they're going to turn into stars. You know, they have Turcotte and they have Kaliev, they have um, Velarde. So they have all these guys that have really high probabilities and, and are highly touted as well. Um, so yeah, so that's kind of where you're at with Anaheim. They have, quite a few NHL prospects, but they don't really have too many of those, those stars that you're looking for, at least in terms of the model. Yeah. So kind of that, that's a good transition to this is so the ducks have, it, it's been in the past, maybe 10 years or so, a, a lot of ducks fans. And I think a lot of just kind of uh, mainstream media, give them a lot of credit for, for finding some gems in the draft and kind of having a good uh, drafting team. And it's one of those things that Felix and I and also CJ, who writes at our website, have kind of pushed back on a little bit that they might not be as good as everyone has made them out to be. Maybe they're just kind of middle of the road. Do you tend to agree with that assertion that they're an excellent dra- drafting team or kind of more so put them in the middle of the pack? And kind of what's your opinion of their scouting staff? Uh, for Ducks fans out there, Martin Mad- Madden was just uh, promoted to assistant general manager. and A lot of people are really excited about that. So I don't know if you have any insight on the duck scouting system or anything like that, but kind of what are your thoughts on their overall drafting system and pipeline? Yeah. So uh, I can look at that in, in two ways. So basically, you know, if you look at the forwards that they've drafted, so I kind of went back looked from, you know, 2015 to 2019, just to kind of get a gauge. Mm-hmm. If you look at their forwards, they've drafted an NHL or about, 27.5% of the time and the average is you know about 25% of the time during that period so they're right around the average there um, interestingly with the forwards they haven't drafted a star since Getzlaff and Perry who they got what, three or four spots away from each other in 2003 so you're talking yep. 17 years in terms of the last time they drafted a star or at least a guy who's turned into a star so far I mean they might have some in the system but again it's not it's not looking like they have any surefire ones. And then if you look at it, the defense side, this is where they've been really good. Um, so in that same period, if you look at all the teams in the last 15 years, about 15% of, of um, teams have drafted uh, a defenseman who's made the NHL during that time. And then the Ducks are at about 28%. So they're, they're nearly doubling that. And they've gotten a lot of good players from that. You know, you've, you've gotten the, the kind of stars in Fowler and Theodore, Hampus Lindholm, Manson, um, even Jake Gardner is kind of at the the, the bottom end of that um, sort of 15-year period I'm looking at. So they've, they've drafted a lot of really good kind of high-octane defensemen. So that's where I say they're doing pretty well. And then on the forward side, I'd say they're, they're kind of middling or average. Yeah, so just out of curiosity then so your sister or your model considers a guy like cam fowler uh, a star or would he be a little bit below that because that's actually a point of curiosity for me yeah he's he projects like he's going to be a star like his probability is really high in the model and i think he falls like just outside of it just okay. outside of the cutoff i think he's outside of it by maybe a point or two so he's kind of right on the cusp Okay, that that checks out and makes a lot of sense to me with kind of what you see and what you can kind of expect uh, with that star type of probability because he's he's a guy that the Ducks have relied upon for years, but has seemed like 
he's best when he's more in the supporting role on the right. first pairing or something along those lines. Right. 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 And, and looking at guys who, you know, either get overlooked or looking at potentially picking up a star, a guy who's really highly rated uh, on, on your model is Marco Rossi. And he right now, correct me if I'm wrong. Last time I checked has the highest star probability of any player in, in this upcoming draft. Um, I mean, just with how many people seem to have him even going outside of the top five, um, what do you think people are missing on him? Uh, I mean, would you, if you were in a GM chair, would you consider drafting him in the top three? Um, is this maybe a situation where Alexi Lafreniere is playing in the QMJHL and, and that equivalency just doesn't rate as highly as a guy like Rossi who's playing in the OHL? So to me, he is a guy who could be available for the Ducks at six. And so what's what are we missing here? What is the world missing here on Marco Rossi? Yeah, I mean... There's a couple of things. I mean, he's not, not that he's come out of nowhere, but he's kind of, I guess, lesser known. Like people have known about Lafreniere and, and Byfield to a lesser degree for, for years and years. And this is what kind of happens with, with, um, with top picks is they have that reputation for years and years. And Rossi's kind of been growing over the last year or two. Um, yeah. So Rossi does have the, the highest probability in the, in the tool. But if you, you know, if you look at kind of intangibles like Lafreniere and Byfield are probably slightly more NHL ready, um, just again, the reputation and they're going to go one, two, that type of thing. And Rossi's a really small guy. That's the other thing that's probably going to drop him down. I mean, he's five, nine. Um, very rarely do you see a guy, you know, five, 10 or below, but especially that five, nine and below that, like getting drafted in the first round is is a problem enough, but especially in the top five, like I think maybe the last guy to go who was that short was probably, I think Sergei Samsonov would be around that realm. So you're, you're going back, you know, 20, 23, 24 years. So, I mean, that's always going to play in a factor. You don't really know if he's going to be able to play center or if he's going to be able to play wing, but absolutely. I'd be looking at him in the top three. He, his kind of developmental path and, and how he looks is very, very rare. Um, just the, the sort of totals that he's hitting and, and what he looks like. These players don't pop up very often. Um, you know, the last one to do it was a guy who looks a lot like him, Danny Briere. Um, <laughs> and we're going back 24 years on that one. Before that, it was Alexander Degla. And then before that, it was Eric Lindros. This is essentially the only people that Rossi looks like. So when you see that come up in the model, like you just can't ignore it. Like that's just so... Um, rare that, yeah, I'd be absolutely looking at him from three on. Um, so, for sure. So, one thing, sorry, this is kind of a little bit, uh, a little bit of a tangent here, but kind of uh, made me think about it when you were talking about Marco Rossi and just about his size and different things like that. One player that kind of inducts uh, the Ducks fandom that was a bit maligned and now is actually no longer on the team is Nick Ritchie. And so it's funny looking back. I, I just decided to go back to the 2014 draft and how he's a guy that you're talking about Rossi getting a bit underrated potentially because of his size. You go back and look and Nick Ritchie was definitely a guy that you look at and he was probably overrated uh, due to his size. You look at guys in that draft and he's uh, definitely outside of, I think he's probably around 20. It looks like uh, per your uh, hockey prospecting model in terms of uh, star probability on draft day. Um, but one of the the things that a lot of people bring up is David Pasternak was available and the response to that from a lot of people is, well, everyone passed on him. Looking at your model, you would not have. You had him second. 
So I think that that's a, a, a good indictment of this model and how good it can be is that uh, that's a lot of people things or something that a lot of Ducks fans harp on. And you kind of hit it right on the head with that. Right. And, and with Marco Rossi, how do you feel when people say, oh, I don't know, maybe maybe I'm getting this wrong, but that he might be on the older side? You know, so basically you're just cutting through all of that with the way you, you evaluate the players. Yeah, absolutely. So age does matter. It's it's a very big component, but it matters up into a certain point. If you're kind of already at the top of the mountain, like Rossi is or like Lafreniere, um, that doesn't matter. I mean, there's there's more call them older players that make the NHL than younger players because, you know, obviously some of these guys are like eight months older than some of their peers or whatever. So they're just going through, they've just, you know, they've, they're more developed just physically because they're older. Whereas that starts to taper off once you kind of hit, hit 18 or so. So yeah, age is a big factor, but when you're already this good, it doesn't matter. Like I wouldn't, I wouldn't be looking at age and saying, Oh, Marco Rossi is, um, you know, kind of in the older group, like he's basically done as much as humanly possible <laughs> with his kind of age grouping that it doesn't matter at this point. Like it's, he's yeah. Interesting. Um, okay. So this is the last question that kind of we have, uh, if our Twitch chat has anything, I'll throw it at you afterwards. But, um, so one question that we've gotten a lot from various people during our podcast, especially now that the Bruins are out, is that the Ducks have the 27th overall pick in addition to the sixth overall pick. And so a lot of people, because this is kind of later, it's a little bit of a lesser known spot and it's kind of more wide open once you hit the later first round. Um, we've been asked a lot if any what who we see the Ducks drafting. So kind of this now we're going to throw on to you because we get it all the time is do you have any names that you could see available in that 27 spot that maybe might be a bit um, underrated by people? Maybe like, for instance, uh, looking at that 2014 draft, David Pasternak going 25th overall when in reality he was second on your list. So anyone kind of in that range that maybe you could see available at 27 that the Ducks should be targeting? Um, yeah, I don't know if there's anybody kind of in that echelon that would drop that far a guy like jacob perot um he looks really good he's kind of not talked about enough i don't know if he drops to 27 i think he probably goes in the early 20s somewhere but if he does like that's a huge value pick at that that point in the draft um that could be one and then there's yeah there's nobody that kind of has that that david pasternak on draft day sort of sneakiness where he just already mm -hmm. looks amazing and then you know um, he's almost ready to go type thing. There's, there's a couple guys that are close that I think aren't being talked enough about. Like a guy like Martin Chromiak is, um, one I'd be kind of targeting. He's very, very young and he's, you know, he looks kind of like a 50, 50 chance in the model, but it's also about what's coming next. And, you know, he's, he's very close to kind of hitting, you know, a different, um, sort of, uh, level in the model but he's just quite not there yet but he's he's really really young so he might he might get there next year especially based on who he's playing with um that's another one another one is is yan mishak uh the guy from the czech who kind of came over very similar to to chromiak um you know he's a younger guy as well he's kind of just outside of those those bigger levels he'd be one i'd be looking at um yeah, I don't think like a guy like Seth Jarvis would be massive, but I don't think he's going to drop that far. I think his stock is rising. He's probably going to go in the mid-teens somewhere. But those are probably three that I would be looking at. Maybe a guy, you know, 
like a defenseman like Helge Granz would be one if he falls that far as well. Those would be guys that I'd be looking at. Um, you know, yeah, they don't necessarily show like they're blue chippers in the model quite yet, but it's also about, you know, kind of anticipating what's what's happening next, I guess. So those would be right. guys. Right. Well, you know, hopefully, uh, hopefully the, the Ducks will hopefully for Ducks fans that Anaheim will tap Byron on, on draft day and, and see what he's got to say about these picks. <laughs> but uh, we really do appreciate you joining us here, Byron. This this has been a, a thrill just to get your your thoughts on a lot of these different topics. So if you don't mind maybe plugging your website here, just letting people know how they can find you, how they can uh, you know support your work even further. Yeah, so the, the website is hockeyprospecting.com. It's a subscription website, so it's it's $25 a year. And then you get access to the, the tools that are in there. So there's the player comparison tool. And then there's a tool that we've kind of talked about where you can go through each draft um, and assess, you know, who was available at, at X pick based on the hockey prospect model. You can kind of go through it that way and, and see who the high probability guys were. Um, yeah, so come support me there. And then my Twitter handle is Byron M. Bader. Um, hit me up with any questions. So I was happy to chat hockey and, and chat about hockey prospecting. And uh, yeah. Well, thanks a lot. I, I really can't recommend the, the website highly enough. Byron is also a great follow on Twitter. I mean, that's kind of how this started. I, I shot a question to him about Trevor Zegras got answered very quickly. <laughs> so we always appreciate that. Thanks for your time today. Absolutely. Thanks for having me on. Absolutely. And for everyone else, uh, you know, that you've been following us along here on the, on the podcast, a couple ways to support us. Uh, just leave a rating and a review on Apple Podcasts. Uh, make sure that you're hitting us up on Twitch. We do these live streams on Sundays. Uh, we are also on YouTube and Spotify. Uh, we could go down the list here. Jake and I are on Twitter. Uh, Jake is at Reindeer Games 91. I'm at Felix underscore Sicard. And that will do it for the show today, folks. Thanks so much for listening. Have a good one, everyone.